Welcome to Whitewater. If this is your first time here, uh, we just our heart is to help people move forward on their spiritual journey. It doesn't matter where you've been uh, or where, you, where you're even at right now. The most important thing is where you're headed. And we want to help uh, give you tools or next steps in your life to help you uh, move toward Jesus, to move toward the Lord. So that's our passion here. I'm so glad that, that you're here if this is your first time. Um, I just want to kind of jump right into things. We've been in this uh, series called The Journey, and it's following God's people as they left Egypt and how God was um, with them every step of their journey. And today I want to talk to you guys about calling. Calling. Um, the Bible has this, this theology around the concept of calling. And calling is, it's your purpose. It's what you were designed for. It's what you're built to do. And um, I think, I think we, are, we all have a calling in our lives. And uh, they say the two most important days of someone's life are, you know, the day that they're born and then the, the day that they find out why they're born. And calling has to do with why you were born. So my daughter, um, she's four and a half, and she loves to go to preschool. It's like one of her favorite places. She loves it, except the naps. She says, Dad, I don't like the naps. I only pretend to sleep. I've walked in before, and she's doing that, and she's just like, eyes open here and there, and then going back in. But when we send her to school, like either at breakfast or like on the road, not every day, but um, I try to do this uh, every once in a while with her, and I just... I want a reminder of her identity as a little Bedlian. I say, now, Novella, you're a Bedlian, right? Yep, I'm a Bedlian. What do Bedlians do? Bedlians are leaders. You know, I want her to be, to be a leader. Yeah, Bedlians are leaders. I don't want her to be a follower. When kids are doing dumb stuff, I want her to be able to stand against that and be able to make up her own mind and go against the flow when she needs to, when it's the right thing. So Bedlians are leaders. Um, but the most important part of this is, and what, what's a leader? And, and she goes, leaders are helpers. And I just want her to know, leaders are helpers. Leaders are people who go and help others. They, that's simply what they do. You, help, you can help the teacher. You can help other kids. And she is such a helper. She loves helping her teacher. She loves helping her hand out things or cut things up and give them up to the kids. And she loves helping the other students. And she's, she's a little bossy. She's a little bossy, so leading for her is a little bit of bossiness. Um, but, you know, what leader doesn't have a little bit of bossiness? Um, what is your identity? What is your calling? If someone were to ask you today, so what were you born for? What would you tell them? What would you say? What shaped your calling? What has shaped your vocation, your purpose, who you are and what you do? Um, there's this passage in Exodus that we've been looking at, chapter 19, and um, in chapter 19, we, we looked at the big picture last week. We looked, about, we looked at like this reality that we all need mountain time. We all need some time with God. Um, and in this story, we see that Moses, who met God at the beginning of the story of, in Exodus, he met God at Mount Sinai. He goes and frees uh, God's people with God's power and help. And then he takes those people back to where he started, back at Mount Sinai, so, not, so that they could experience God. Because Moses had a personal relationship where he had experienced the Lord for himself. And, and he'd heard God's voice. And God's people, not, not all of God's people had heard God's voice. Not all of them had had a burning bush moment. And so he brings them back to the mountain to experience God. And some of us, we discovered last week, maybe who have wandered or life has just not gone the way we expected. 
Some of us might need to come back to where it all started, to remember that experience with the Lord, that calling of God, that God's love in our life, and um, where it all started. Go back to the beginning. Some of us need to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and we all need mountain time. We all need time to worship and spend time with God. Now, if you're not a Christian, I just want you to know what the Christian life is about, what our calling's about, so that you can consider this as you're exploring Christianity. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to read this. It says in uh, chapter 19, verse 3, we're going to look at just a small chunk of chapter 19 this week. Moses went up to the mountain of, uh, to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. This is what God says. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And this can't be said enough. God rescued them. And he says, remind them that I rescued them from Egypt. Remind them that I I rescued them from slavery. But God didn't just rescue them and then bring them out to the desert and say, all right, you're on your own. He didn't bring them out, you know, rescue them from Egypt and bring them out to the wilderness and say, you know, just go do things as you see fit. Just do your thing. I'm going to go do my thing. It says he, he rescued them on eagle's wings and brought them to himself. See, God, he rescues us so we can have a relationship with him. God rescues us for a relationship. And in this passage, in chapter 19, going into chapter 20, it's, it's this covenant. It's the, this like deep, big DTR, defining the relationship. You ever had a DTR? You guys have ever had that? Like when you were dating and your girlfriend or boyfriend was like, hey, so what are we? You know, like those very comfortable, awesome conversations. And uh, God has like this DTR. It's, it's where he forms a covenant. Covenant is like, um, it could be so much said about this. And I've preached on it before. But simply a covenant is it's a, it's a committed relationship that's characterized by loyalty and faithfulness and for me like the ring I carry around it reminds me I am committed I'm in a covenant relationship with my wife Sarah and God um, chose his people the people of Israel and he saved them rescued them for a relationship and he wants a covenant relationship and it's interesting that before God gives them the Ten Commandments before he gives them the law before he gives them all the ways that he wants them to live that God just starts it with a relationship He starts it by just pouring out his grace and freeing them and loving them and liberating them. They couldn't earn it. They couldn't do it on their own. They didn't. They they were lost without God and God saved them without any requirements on them except to have faith in him and to trust him. Isn't that interesting? I I think it's really important for anybody who might be new to the church thing or be coming back to to church and and maybe you've known religion but you haven't known a relationship with God. This is so important that that God operates this way um, before like our lives need to be be changed and before we need to take steps of growth, before any of that happens, God lavishes or pours out his grace and love on us. And we just get to respond to that. You, that means that you and I can't earn God's love. Some people come to church or they come to, to, to like religion. They're like, how do I earn God's love? I got to clean my life up. I got to learn how to pray. I got to learn how to do all these things and follow all the policies. And if I do those things, then I'll be accepted by the, the faith community and I'll be accepted by God and then I'll be good. And, I, and if, I, if I ever stop doing those things, then I'm, then I'm not good and I get kicked out of community or I get God's not approving of me and, and I lose that favor and love 
And, and in this story, it, start, it starts out immediately that, that it's not God giving the law first and changing you and you have to become perfect and then he'll have a relationship. He gives relationship and love and grace and then begins working on changing who we are. Think about that for a second. How powerful is that? How does that change the way we, we relate to one another? How does that change how you come so God, I had a friend who, I mean, he was really struggling with that concept. Of, it's the concept of God's grace. And you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't clean yourself enough to earn what God can only give. And we were going through this passage and he was asking, what do I have to do to be saved? And I said, well, let's read through this, this scripture and then I'll ask you, what do you have to do to be saved? And so we started reading through this passage and it's talking about like it's by faith that we're saved through the, through the sacrifice of Jesus and it's by faith and belief and, and it's all God's grace and we can't boast. And we're reading through this passage and I, I, I ask him, so what does this say you have to do to be saved? Well, this says, you know, I need to love God, but I've got to start praying. I've got to get to church. And I've got, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, what does this say you have to do to be right with God, to, to be saved? He's like, well, he reads it again. Well, I got to believe in God, but I've got to start praying and I've got to go to church. And his friend goes, no, stop it. You can't do anything. It's God's love plus nothing, nothing. You know, he's like, and it was so powerful to see that moment where he was just like, trying to drive home the truth of God's love and grace. And it was so amazing that at that coffee table, a few moments later, like that understanding that, oh, I don't have to become perfect for God to love me. I can receive his love, and then he will change me from there. Like he immediately gave his life to the Lord, and God changed him. That's the community we're part of, and that's so important. So when we talk about calling, your calling comes out of your relationship with God comes out of God's grace. It's empowered by his love. Does that make sense? Living into your calling cannot earn you the salvation that you might want. That can only be given. That can only be received. That's up to you. Now, if we were to continue reading, in verse 5 it says uh, this. Now, God says, now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep um, my covenant, remember we talked about that covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. Now, if you got a pen, you got notes, you might want to get that out. And if you want to um, do some studying, this is, the, this is where we're landing. This is, the, this is the key concept for the sermon today. And it says this, and you, you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. Remember last week we, we, we mentioned that? We couldn't cover it because we didn't have time. Today I want to unpack, un- unpack what kingdom of priests and my holy nation means. Like if we're to be God's people, and he says you're to be my holy nation, like my kingdom of priests, it's probably pretty important we know what that means and what it doesn't mean. So that's what I want to cover today. The three concepts is the priest, kingdom, and holy nation, holy people. Now to understand it, we actually have to back up again into Moses' story. You guys remember Moses' story? He's like watching all the sheep, and he's in the wilderness. He's by Mount Sinai, which was, I think, called the Horeb in those days, Mount of Desolation, and he's alone. There's no one there, and all of a sudden, he sees this bush, and it's burning, but there's no combustion, you know, and even a shepherd knows that's not normal, and so he runs up, and he's like, what is this? And then it says in, uh, in this story, when he had gone over to look, in verse 4, it says, God called out to him from the bush. God called out to him from the book. Moses, Moses. 
Here I am, he answered. Do not come close or remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses, when he found out that this was the God who had been from in the stories and the generations of his family, when he realized this was God, it says he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. There was like this holy fear, fear that took over, this little terror, like, oh man, I am impermanent and I'm facing the permanent. I am like temporary and I am facing the eternal. I am with the creator. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. Verse 10 says, therefore, go, I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people the, the Israelites out of Egypt. Kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So what does Moses' story have to do with chapter 19's story of ho- like a holy nation, a kingdom of priests? What I'd like to start with first is the concept of priest. What does that mean? There's all sorts of concepts about priests and opinions about priests in our culture. And I think when people think of priests, they might think of like, you know, a monk, you know, in a cave or like, you know, monks hanging out, like chanting. You guys grow up at all in the 90s and have parents with the Gregorian chants that they'd put on this new sweet device called a CD player. You guys remember this? And they'd be like, oh, my, my parents would listen to that and have Gregorian chants in the background. And people think of that when they think of a priest. But um, a pri- that's, that's not the concept that this is talking about. That's not the concept this is talking about. Um, I, I actually had someone um, call me one time as a pastor. You get called and, hey, I need help. And started helping this guy and just helping him spiritually, helping him through stuff he was working with. He was going through some really hard things. And, and then he started calling more and more and at like crazy hours. And one time he called me and he was like, hey, I need you to, uh, to meet me here. Be there in five minutes. And I was like, whoa. whoa. I, and he's like, no, I need you to be there. I like, I really need you. I was like, I'm... I can't be this in the middle of the work day. I've got, I've got some important stuff. He's like, well, you're a pastor. What else are you doing? <laughs> it, like, I, was, I was like, well, what, do you, what is it that you think I do during the day? He's like, well, like pray and sing and, you know, do some of those, maybe read some Bible. And you, I was like, okay, time out here. Let me explain something to you. Um, like, there are all sorts of people I'm trying to serve. I, I love you. I want to help you. But there are all sorts of people. I've got, a, I've got leaders that I need to pour into. I started going through, here's, like, some of the things that I, like, that I do. What did you think I did? And I was like, yeah, prayer is a big, actually a big deal. And, and prayer, which didn't seem like a big deal to him, and reading the Bible and spending time with the Lord, which didn't seem to be a big deal to him, might be part of the reason that I'm having to go and meet and help you with the things that you need help with. Because you actually haven't been spending time there. And I've got to lead people who are like trying to grow and know the Lord and have a relationship with them. I was like, what is it that you think I do? And there's like a lot of misconception around what the priestly vocation or calling is. And Israel was called to be a kingdom of priests. And that calling extends to the church. It extends to you and me. We see that in the New Testament, to be a kingdom of priests. So what does that mean? And there's an insight that's found in um, verse 21. It says, the Lord directed Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord. Otherwise, many 
of them will die. There's this reality we talked about last week that God, we want to have like this nice, domestic, safe little God that we can kind of call on when we want. He's the genie in the bottle. He's the, he's the you know, cosmic vending machine. When we put in the good works that we want then he, or the prayers that for things we need, then he should give us what we need and what we want. And we want this safe, domesticated little God, but God is the creator. He is powerful. He is like, he actually uh, has a sense of justice. And if there's injustice, he has wrath and he has anger like there's things that he doesn't like and you don't want to be on the wrong side of God and there's a reminder in this story that man like we need to remember that that like God's God and we're not verse 22 now here's the insight into what the priestly calling is even the priests who come near the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. The, the, the priests who come, what? Near. They come near to him. And they consecrate themselves. They devote themselves. They get themselves ready. And you might want to write this down in your notes. Priests, uh, priests worship and help others worship. Priests worship and help others worship. They're involved in the worship and connection heart-to-heart with God. Um, And the ways they do this, priests worship by by coming near God's presence and interceding on the behalf of others. So there's like two things that are going on there. That that, that they worship by coming near to God's presence and bringing other people into God's presence. And Moses, as we're seeing, has been doing this. He's already been living into that priestly calling of helping people come to the mountain of Sinai and experience God. Not like just tell them about God and tell them about his rules and tell them what they need to do. He's like, no, no, no. You need to meet God for yourself. You can't live that through somebody else. You can't just live it through me. You need to, to experience him. And at Sinai is where they first hear his voice. And there is no supplement for you experiencing God, you having a personal relationship where you personally worship God. And you can't take people where you haven't been. Are you with me? That worship part is so important. My daughter, when we're driving, we have this, uh, this CD that we'll use, that, that ancient technology. And uh, there's certain worship songs that will come on. And there's like two songs that she knows by heart. And she loves them. She'll just start singing them. And she'll like sing loud. It doesn't matter what the notes are. She doesn't know about the notes yet. The notes aren't something to her. And she's just like, yeah. And one of them's that song that Mike does, I'm Not in a Hurry. And she'll be like, I'm not in a hurry. You know, she'll just like start singing these. And it like, you know, as her parents, it's so cute. Like, and Sarah will look at me and she's like, you know what my favorite part of like driving together is? I was like, that we get time together. And she's like, no. <laughs> and then we need to have a DTR. Um, no. She looks back and she says, it's when Novella starts worshiping. Because she'll just be looking out at the, as we're driving through, looking at creation. She's singing. And she's like, for what she knows of God, the ability that she has to understand God right now, that faith of a child, she's singing to him. And she's like, it just makes me want to worship. It's just like, it's awesome. And guys, worship is so important. It reminds us of how wonderful and great and good and powerful and mighty God is. And we need to have that. It's like our source of life. But we talked about that last week. We really emphasize that. So what I want to really emphasize here is that the other aspect of being of, of priestly calling is interceding on the behalf of others. Interceding on the behalf 
of others, praying for people, asking God to break in on the behalf of someone who's hurt, someone who's going through a really messy situation, someone who's like struggling with life. You could even intercede for people where life is really going well, but you're like, God, continue pouring out your blessing. Would you be with them? Would you help them? Would you give them favor? See, that's interceding on their behalf. That is a priestly calling. How many of you guys have someone, if you're a Christian, how many of you guys have someone in your life that you've been praying for? It's good. You are fulfilling the priestly calling that's ancient, and you're doing it today. Praying with people. Asking for God to help them. That is part of that priestly duty. Shepherding, loving, taking care of them, bringing them to the Lord. You know, you know what? Like I've, I've prayed for so many people that didn't even know the Lord. That they would come here and find the Lord and, and experience God and start a relationship. And you know what? Many of you guys that are sitting here, like a result of many people's praying for you to find Jesus or to come back to Jesus and be here right now. Think about that. How, how amazing is that? See, God, he's going to love you no matter what. You can't run away from his love. We were joking in the back from the last sermon, like all the pastors when I was talking about this in the last sermon. Like we're saying, like, like, you might not even believe, and someone here is like, I don't care because I believe and I'm praying for you. Like you just got belonged. <laughs> That's what Michael said. Who are you praying for? And they don't even have to believe for you to be praying for God to break into their life. I want to show you a powerful story of interceding, asking others to pray and pray on the behalf of someone who is hurting. My name is Doug, and my wife Vicki and my family and all, we're just busy with life, you know, um, working and raising kids, taking care of the house. And we'd, we'd gotten away from church. And uh, it was actually Rick Slaughter that, that reached out to us and invited us here. And from day one, you walked out of there, and we both are like looking at each other. This is our home. This, this is the place. This is where we want to be. This is the people we want to be with, you know. Well, we found out my, my son and my daughter-in-law were going to have our sixth uh, grandbaby. At about seven months, we found out there were some problems. The artery that feeds the heart, there's two of them, and one of them basically wasn't there. And that's when uh, I started reaching out to people. And I'm telling you, there was people, literally thousands of people praying for this. And people I didn't know. Um, and again, primarily my family at Whitewater that were praying. So they had the baby induced at University of Washington Medical Center. And my son and daughter-in-law came. And the look on their faces is something I would never wish on any parent, grandparent, friend, family. A total look of despair, hopelessness, had put the stand in, they got it in too far. They tried to retract it, it got put sideways. So now they had to open her chest up and do open heart surgery. She then had a second open heart surgery at about age five months because they had to put a bigger stent in. That night, about two in the morning, my phone rings. And it's my son. 
company tells me that they're doing CPR. You know, and immediately, I, I, even at 2 in the morning, I reached out to people, I, asked, I prayed, I asked for prayers, and they revived her after 15 minutes. Our grandbaby is now 16 months old. She's the most beautiful baby. Every time I look at her, I just, I can't, I can't put into words. This whole experience uh, for me is just something that totally renewed my faith that had been lingering. It was a huge step in my journey. We pray, and sometimes the answer is no, but this time it was yes. You know, the answer was yes. God said yes. getting that text from Doug and just all the people that began praying and see that friends is a kingdom of priests a community of worshipers asking the creator they worship to come heal to come bless and if you don't think there's power in that I just want to ask you open your eyes Try asking God. Ask Him to to bless. Ask Him to reveal Himself. Um, There are people, and we we live in a world that is so dark right now. There's fire and flood and violence and hatred and darkness. And never more has there been a need for people, of a kingdom of priests, people who are coming and worshiping a living God with hope for the future, hope for today, and asking that God would break in to the lives of hurting, hardship, destruction in people's lives. Are you with me? I got to keep moving. Kingdom. What does kingdom mean? In Exodus um, 3, 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings. And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. And then hone in here on verse 10. It says, Therefore go, I'm sending you, Moses, to, uh, to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'm sending you, Moses, back into the kingdom of darkness that you are exiled from. I'm sending you back to the kingdom of darkness, and I'm, I'm sending you to bring people out into the kingdom of light. Do you see what's happening here? The kingdom that God is talking about is freedom from a darker kingdom, freedom from, from slavery, freedom from Egypt, and being freed into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God, the kingdom where, where there's freedom. And so there's these two, these two roles, these two callings that we have in our life. There's a priestly call and there's a kingly call, a leadership, a ruling call. Kings, you might want to take note of this, kings lead people. Kings lead people to freedom. I'm sending you to Egypt to free them from the kingdom of darkness. I will be there with you. I will be, I will be part of the reason you can even do this. 
but you are to lead them, Moses. So Moses is called not only to bring people to experience God for themselves in worship, but he's also called to lead them, to be a king who leads them out of the old kingdom into the new kingdom. Amen? How many of you guys know some friends who need to get led out of the kingdom of darkness? Who need to get led out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the kingdom of God's son, Jesus? That's what kings do. And, and, and when we think of kings, when we think of rulers, when we think of leaders, like we think in a worldly perspective. You know, like, like there's you know, corporate leaders and there's political leaders. But the kind of leadership that the world has is the opposite of what, of what God means by the kingdom or kings and priests. Um, in, in Mark 10, Jesus redefines and actually defines leadership in terms of the kingdom of priests. And he says this. Jesus called his disciples together in verse 42. You know that those who are, uh, who are regarded as rulers and kings, those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles, lorded over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. They push them around and they push people down so that they can be pushed up, so they can keep and consolidate power and they can lead uh, through fear. They can lead through bullying. He says in verse 43, but it's not to be so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become, a, become great among you will be your servant. So the kingly role, the kingly calling of being a kingdom of priests, the ruling that God is talking about, the kind of people he wants, is not people that are pushing others down to push themselves up. He's not wanting people who are using and consolidating political power, social power, economic power. He's, he wants people who are a kingdom of priests, who everything that they are given by God, they use as a gift to give to others. That they are servant leaders, stewards who are managing what God has given them. And they are, they are prioritizing and giving and helping the world around them. Like my daughter says, leaders are the helpers. Come on now. How much of our world can use that kind of a leader? At your work, in your families, on Facebook. Servants. I love this. And, and to cap this all off, here's the, the centerpiece of the kingdom of priests. It's this. Uh, a priest hears God's call and a king hears people's cry. Here's how we know this. In Exodus 3, when God is talking to Moses, he's giving him a priestly and a kingly duty. In Exodus 3, 4, and 7, it says this. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, that Moses had come over to look, God called out to him from the bush. God called to him. Priests hear God's call. They know the voice of the one they worship. They listen to him. God gets a hold of their attention. But it doesn't stop there because kings hear the cry of people. Verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them, what? Crying. I have heard their cry. The closer you get to God's call, the more you hear the cry of the brokenhearted, of the hurting, of the down and out, the ragamuffins. 
the lowest on the totem pole, the least, the more you hear God's call. And I'm not talking about religion's call where the closer you get to religion, the more superior you feel, the more uh, self-righteous you feel, the more um, you know, justified you feel in judging other people. That's religion. But what I'm talking about, true religion, is hearing God's call, experiencing his voice. And the closer you get to his call, the more you hear the cry of the brokenhearted. How many of you guys are with me on this? The more you hear God's call, the more you hear the cry. The question is, what are you doing with God's call, his voice in your life? And what are you doing about the cries that you hear in the world around you? It's easy to, to like hear one, maybe two, and do nothing about it, isn't it? I always found it ironic that God is talking. He's asking, he's asking Israel, the people he freed, to be a kingdom of priests, devoted to him, holy to him. He's asking the people who like, started grumbling immediately when they got out of Egypt and God had done this miraculous parting of the Red Sea and immediately were angry and grumbling, like, where's our food? And they didn't trust God. They didn't trust Moses. And these are the, God is, is, is calling these people to this high calling who have failed time and time again. God, we don't have enough food. He gives them food. God, we don't have enough water. And they're angry and they're going to you know, kill Moses. And then he gives them water. And you know, they couldn't win this battle on their own when they, when they first got across uh, the Red Sea and God wins the battle for them and, and, and they're just a mess. And yet God still chose them, loved them, began a relationship with them and then he called them to a higher calling. And I look at that, I'm just like, what? A, that, that just doesn't make sense until I look at my own life and I notice the areas where I've been grumbling, the areas where I haven't trusted God, the areas where, you know, I've been like, oh, God, what about this? What about this? What about this? Where I've had a hard heart, and God, over and over and over, uh, loves, gives me truth, and he calls me to something higher than I could ever be on my own. How many of you guys want to live into a higher calling? How many of you guys know that you were called to something higher? How many of you guys know in your bones that despite your circumstances, despite your reality, that the reality of God is greater and bigger and more real than any reality that you're facing? The reality of God is greater than any reality that you face. His reality is greater than the reality of your, your work situation. His reality is greater than your family situation. His reality is greater than the pain and the sickness reality. His reality is, God's reality is reality, friends. And a kingdom of priests lives in that reality. We live as a people that look forward, not by what everybody else can see, but we look forward to what we know and who we know. So that we can have faith and trust that God will bring us through this. And notice where Israel failed and where we fail. God saw us in our failure and it's like you know, they're not living into their calling. And he sent his son to live as the perfect king, the perfect priest who intercedes on our behalf. Who is completely holy so that we could live into our calling so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be with God. Amen? Here's my last challenge for you guys. 
Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that um, in the New Testament, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength. And isn't that kind of similar? Loving God is very priestly. Loving people is very kingly. This is the thread that runs throughout Scripture from Adam and Eve until the end. When we know Jesus is coming back, we, you and I, friends, are called to be a holy nation. And holy, in this sense, is not like separate. A lot of uh, people have learned this as like separate and different then. But holy nation means fully devoted. When God said, hey, the place you're standing is holy ground, he's not saying that ground is separate. He's saying it's devoted for worship. It's devoted to me. If we are going to live as kings and priests, as servants and worshipers, if we're going to live into our calling to love God and love people over and over and over again, even when it gets hard, even when it gets tough, even when we fail or other people are failing around us and we fall down, we get back up and we love God and we love people. And then when we fall down again, we get back up and we love God and we love people. Are you with me? This is the pattern. This is to the, the calling, the high calling that we have been called. Will we do that? And as a holy nation, a devoted people, will you fully devote your life to Christ? Will you fully devote your life to God? There, we live in a world and in an age where Christians and non-Christians, it is, it is a world of division and distraction where we, our hearts are distracted and divided looking at all these other things. I know people who would claim to follow Christ and, you know, like he is my all in all, but they show more devotion toward certain TV shows or football or other things in their life than they do at all with God. And it's because there is the, the distractions of the world and our hearts get divided and what God is always calling us to and the reason he calls them to be a holy nation, a devoted nation, is for us to be a kingdom of priests, we have to be all in. It does the world no good to see like someone who's supposed to be a leader, someone who's supposed to be a worshiper of God, half-heartedly worshiping him, half-heartedly following him, leading others, selfishly. And people who are, are devoted to all these other things and they're saying that they're in the kingdom of God, they're saying they're part of the community, it's so confusing for other people because the light that they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be a city on a hill, they're supposed to be a light in the darkness, that, that they're letting the world and the division of their heart diminish the light of their life. And we are called to be light. We are called to be blessed so that we can be a blessing, to love God and love others, to be priests and kings who serve and worship. So how are you doing with your calling? Do you hear God's call in your life? Are you close enough to hear his call and to worship him? And are you hearing the cry of people? of the hurting, of the broken. Next week, I want to invite you guys to come back to the same place, same bat channel, and I want to share a vision with you guys on how we can not only hear from God, but hear the cry of some specific communities that are in need of help. We're going to be launching One Child, which is our way of serving the, the, the foster care community, and I want to share also some stories of other communities in our church um, who are blessing and loving and serving the world. So please come back and friends, live into your calling. Let's pray.
Jesus, we love you, and we're so grateful for you. you. You have sacrificed, you have given everything for us. And where we failed, you succeed. Where we weren't devoted, you were devoted. God, would you help us to live into our calling? Would you help us to worship you with everything that we have in all of our hearts today? Lord, help us to get close to you so that we can hear the call and we can hear the cry and that we can respond in serving. In Jesus' name, amen.